Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Business Lens. This is a podcast produced by the St. John's County Chamber of Commerce. My name is Bo Phillips. I'm the Senior Communications Manager here at the Chamber, and I'll be joined, as always, by Bob Porter, who is the Director of Public Policy. Here on The Business Lens, we're going to explore the intersection of public policy and business, and we're going to focus specifically on what's going on here locally and what's going on at the state level. We're going to do this monthly, so I hope that you guys will consider following us or subscribing to our podcast. And of course, we hope that you'll learn a little bit too by listening. I know that I will. On that note, you should be able to follow us more easily now. The Business Lens is now going to be available in iTunes and in your Google Play Store. So you can find us simply by subscribing from your phones. Just a really quick housekeeping note before we get started. We are recording this podcast on January 9th. Several noteworthy things have happened today, such as the start of legislative session. So I just wanted to let you guys know what we meant when we said today. So with that, let's begin. Well, this thanks, Bo. This is the beginning of what I call my Super Bowl year. It uh, We get an early start to the 60-day uh, session of the Florida legislature, which actually began this morning. That'll be followed by the Chamber's Politics in St. John's program this summer where we uh, will give people an opportunity to meet the candidates up close and personal. And then uh, the final uh, election in, actually the primaries in uh, August and the big election in November uh, where we have an absolutely fascinating lineup going forward this year. Uh, And I'd like to talk a little bit about that just to kind of set the stage. Think about this for a second. Governor Scott, the current governor, wants to be a United States Senator. The Florida Speaker of the House Corcoran wants to be governor. The Agriculture Commissioner, Adam Putnam, also wants to be governor. Uh, Last week, U.S. Representative Ron DeSantis announced that he also wants to be governor. The entire Florida cabinet is up for election in November. All 120 Florida House members are up for election in November. And half of Florida's 40 senators are up for election. So if you think that politics won't play an interesting role as the legislature works its way through its 60-day session between now and March, it's going to be a fun, uh, going to be a fun year, I think. Uh, your definition of fun, Bob. Super Bowl year, huh? Absolutely. <laughs> well, well, uh, let's touch on a few uh, local issues just real, real quickly before we get into those, um, the breakdown that that Super Bowl as you as you would describe it. Um, I know here locally that the city of St. Augustine and a, a lot of its um, stakeholders are, are continuing to address panhandling. That is correct. Uh, The mayor of uh, St. Augustine and the city commission hired a constitutional law expert out of Melbourne, Florida, who has quite a bit of experience in this area, to rewrite the existing panhandling uh, and vagrancy uh, ordinances that the city has had on the books that were uh, challenged in uh, uh, federal court. And uh, we expect that uh, he will bring a first draft of these ordinances back to the City Commission for consideration uh, during their February 22nd meeting. 
I know that we've been involved in reaching out to the business community and asking for their experiences with panhandling so that we can give them the information they need uh, to make the correct policy. That's true. What we've done is working with the city and with the visitors and uh, convention bureau, we have taken on the mantle of getting the information to the business community to essentially validate the concerns that a lot of people have with uh, aggressive panhandling in the city. We need to build a record for the attorney when he is writing these new ordinances because we fully expect that whatever comes out of the city commission will be challenged in court and we need to develop what is called a record uh, for the eventual uh, court case and that's what our uh, business community is helping us out with right now. And if any of you guys are, would like to provide your experiences with panhandling to the city, then you can find out how to do that on their website. Moving on really quickly, we could talk, just touch on the city of St. Augustine Beach and that they have a new mayor and vice mayor. Yes, for the first time, the city of St. Augustine Beach is being led uh, by two women lawyers. Undine uh, George, who is the uh, current or was the current vice mayor, has been elected mayor, and longtime commissioner Margaret Anglin has been uh, elected vice mayor of the city, and they will be running the uh, St. Augustine Beach City Commission for the next year. Is election the accurate term there? I know that they were elected to their seats, but is how is it that they? determine those specific roles. Without getting way too technical and nerdy, the city of St. Augustine Beach operate what is known as a commissioner-mayor form of government where the commissioners are independently elected to their commission seat, but the actual elected commission then votes on the mayor and the vice mayor. So the actual title is mayor slash commissioner and vice mayor slash commissioner. All right, well, now it's time to pregame, I guess, for the Super Bowl. Um, legislative session in the state of Florida started today, uh, Tuesday, January the 9th. And as you mentioned, this is an election year, and it's very likely that that election and all the moving parts involved in this election are going to affect the legislative session. Uh, there is no question that it will, considering that two of the three leaders of the two of the three branches of government, the executive and the Florida House leader, are both angling for other political office. They are also the ones who are going to be determining the schedule for the legislature as they move forward over the next 60 days. So in a, in a non-election year, normally you would have these folks making, decision based, making decisions on which bills go forward, which bills do not go forward based upon their personal policy goals. This year you get the added benefit of them trying to look forward and establish what the effect of supporting or opposing this bill or that bill will have on their chances for election come November. So it just adds an extra level of complication to uh, uh, what is already a pretty complicated process. The largest single issue and in fact the only issue that the Florida legislature has to accomplish 
is the completion of work on a balanced budget. Uh, that is their only constitutional responsibility. Everything else is just gravy. So when the governor gave his state of the state address, which is very similar to a presidential state of the union address, he laid out this morning his major objectives for the legislature for the next 60 days. And not surprisingly, he has proposed an $87 billion budget uh, which is up a couple of billion dollars from last year. He is also proposing a number of individual tax cuts, which some people would say is not terribly surprising considering he is going to be running for the United States Senate. And proposing tax cuts is not usually a bad way for a politician to continue his career. But interestingly, he's also proposing things like pay raises for state employees, which is something that seven years ago when he came in, he actually went the opposite way and cut a number of uh, state uh, employee positions. He's also requested $50 million for beach restoration as a result of the back-to-back -back really hurricanes or the bookend hurricanes, as we call them, Matthew and Irma, over the past year. And very interestingly, and it's gotten a lot of head-scratching within the legislature, he is supporting a constitutional amendment that would require a two-thirds vote of the legislature prior to raising any taxes in the future. It's kind of a radical idea, but he is pushing that idea very, very hard, and he's getting interesting mixed reactions from the legislature, but it's the first time in my memory that I've heard a sitting governor propose that uh, instead of a 51% margin, you now have to uh, reach a higher threshold to actually raise taxes. So this is something that he is pressing very hard with the uh, Constitutional Review Commission, which, by the way, is continuing uh, its progress, it's been in, uh, in existence for about a year now, and they will be rapidly this spring coming up with a list of recommended recommendations for potential constitutional amendments to be placed on the ballot this uh, November, in addition to all of the political uh, offices that are, that are up for election. Sounds like a legacy piece almost. It, uh, that's a very good way of putting it. Uh, some people have said that Governor Scott's legislative agenda this year is not so much trying to position himself for a United States Senate run, but in fact to establish what his legacy as a two-term governor uh, is. So that, that was, was a very, very good point you picked up on. So has Governor Scott announced that he'll be um, seeking to be elected as a U.S. Senator for the state of Florida? He is not, interestingly. Uh, two of the major potential candidates uh, for statewide office in Florida, the Speaker of the House, Richard Corcoran, has not announced officially that he will run for governor, yet there's very little question in most people's minds that he's been planning this for some time. and. Uh, Governor Scott uh, has not. He, as soon as he announces, if he announces, because he hasn't uh, even indicated a timeline yet, but as soon as he announces, he will become the absolute front runner, Republican front runner for the seat that is currently held by uh, Democrat Bill Nelson. It kind of sounds like a game of musical chairs where there's not enough seats for everybody at the uh, that's playing the game. 
That's very true, and a lot of uh, these decisions are based upon the fact that many of these political offices, especially in the state of Florida, are term limited. You can only serve two terms as governor. You can only serve two terms as a cabinet member. You can only serve a certain number of terms as a senator or as a House member, and you know that going in, so you try to position yourself to either move on to the next job or go back uh, to private life. Well, having already touched on tax cuts, Hurricane Matthew and Hurricane Irma have certainly highlighted several needs. They both absolutely have, and one of the things that the governor is pushing is a $50 million uh, beach restoration fund uh, to deal with the beaches in the Northeast that were hurt very badly by Hurricane Matthew, but also the beaches in the southern part of the state that moved up the coast uh, as a result of Hurricane Irma. It's not a tremendous amount of money in an $87 billion budget, but because of the the upfront expenses that the state of Florida had in debris removal, in overtime, in providing supplies, the state does not have but about a $50 million budget surplus in their current budget. So it becomes $50 billion or $50 million becomes a significant chunk of money that could be used for other programs. Now, the one thing to keep in mind is that two of our members of the St. John's County Legislative Delegation, uh, Paul Renner, and Cindy Stevenson sit on the Speaker's Select Committee on Hurricane Preparation. Basically, this is the uh, the committee that was tasked by the Speaker to come back with recommendations to the Florida House on things that Florida could do better for the next hurricane. And obviously, those types of issues carry significant price tags, and we're expecting the uh, this uh, special hurricane committee to come back to the speaker probably the week of January 17th with their initial report on recommendations for things that the state of Florida can do, some that cost money, some that don't cost money, but to better prepare Florida for the next hurricanes. Well, one of the things those hurricanes certainly affected was tourism here in the state, here locally as well, and tourism is going to be an issue to watch. Tourism was an issue last year, and just recently it has, uh, and I should say tourism promotion, has been an issue. Uh, Speaker Corcoran has targeted Visit Florida and its expenditures, and some people would say some inappropriate expenditures that Visit Florida has made over the years in increasing the number of tourists who are the lifeblood to the Florida economy. He has made it a personal mission to make Visit Florida accountable and to rein them in on their spending. The governor, on the other hand, points to a tremendous rise in the number of tourists that that he attributes to the promotions by Visit Florida. We clearly see that in uh, St. John's County. As a matter of fact, if it hadn't been for Uh, Visit Florida, working with our visitors and convention bureau after Hurricane Matthew, we probably would not have been able to pull off a Nights of Lights, very successful Nights of Lights that we did in in 2016-2017, 
and all the numbers that we have seen about tourists coming into our county and the amount of money that they're spending, the amount of bed taxes that they are paying is one reason I constantly remind people why we in, who live in the state of Florida don't pay an income tax. So we love to have tourists come into town. We complain when we have too many tourists in town, but I don't know many people who complain that they don't have to pay a state income tax. So having read through your reports, I understand that there is pending legislation that addresses bed tax here locally and through, in locales throughout the state. Uh, very true. There is a potential fight being set up in Tallahassee whereby the counties are authorized to collect a bed tax from each person who comes and stays in the hotel or an Airbnb or a private home condo rental. And historically that money has been used predominantly for and by statute for tourism development, tourism marketing. That's where most of the visitors' convention bureaus around the state get the bulk of their dollars. I think in St. John's County, we collect somewhere around $10 million a year from the bed tax. There has been an effort that is supported by a number of municipalities now around the state saying that we do such a great job of bringing in tourists, but their experience here once they get here is not as good as it could be for things like in the city of St. Augustine, you've got king tide flooding on a regular basis, which makes downtown the Bayfront uh, impassable during certain times of the year. That's an uh, an expenditure that uh, the city would like to be able to get uh, additional funding to deal with those issues that affect visitors and residents alike. There is legislation pending that would give the cities the ability to use some of the bed tax dollars and essentially divert some of the tourism marketing bed tax dollars to infrastructure improvements. So, as I said, in the city of St. Augustine, you could have things like, you know, sewer system modernization, raising roads, doing things in the downtown area that would improve the tourist and the residents' uh, experiences. It's a delicate balance, huh? Absolutely. And like everything else, uh, there will be some people who will support it. There will be other people who oppose it. But I know that the City of St. Augustine Commission last night actually approved a uh, resolution supporting this legislation. So, Bob, I think that about covers all of the items on my list, but I'm looking here at the uh, supervisor of elections, offices that are scheduled for election, a sheet that they have on their website at votesjc.com. And looking at all of the all of the offices that are up for election, and it is pretty uh, extensive, United States Senator, uh, two uh, House seats in the United States House of Representatives, Governor and Lieutenant Governor, Attorney General, CFO, Commissioner of Agriculture, State Representatives for both House Districts 17 and 24, Circuit Judges of the... I mean, there's there's a lot of things on here. Is there anything else you want to comment on? Do you want to touch on the the Governor's race at all? The Governor's race, I think, is is actually going uh, going to be a fascinating experience because as I mentioned earlier, uh, Rick Scott uh, is term limited. He can't remain governor, so he's got to find a new job or go back into the private sector. It has opened up 
kind of what I call the domino theory of politics, where the top opens up and everybody else kind of crawls all over each other to get to the top. So you do have people like the current commissioner of agriculture, Adam Putnam, who is term limited from that position. So he has nowhere to go except up. You have uh, Gwen Graham on the Democratic side, who is a former member of the United States House of Representatives and the daughter of one of Florida's most famous governors, Bob Graham, uh, so has great name recognition. You've got Andrew Gillum, who is the uh, progressive mayor of Tallahassee, uh, will be running against uh, Gwen Graham on the Democratic side. And then a late entrant, uh, which is thrown a whole lot of people for a loop is Congressman Ron DeSantis, the uh, Republican from uh, Northeast Florida, who has thrown his hat in the ring uh, now for the uh, the governor's race as well. And still unannounced but expected to announce is uh, Florida House Speaker uh, Richard Corcoran. So it's going to be a very interesting, very interesting year indeed. And certainly we have a lot of ties to this, these gubernatorial candidates. Ron DeSantis um, uh, has represented members of this community um, within, his, within his district in the United States Senate. I know that Commissioner Putnam, agriculture is a very big deal here in St. Johns County, and he certainly has become part of uh, some of our events. He was the keynote speaker at an EDC event, as was Ron DeSantis, actually, during the legislative uh, update. So they certainly have connections here. Oh, yes. And it's going to be a very interesting race for Mr. DeSantis trying to get name recognition statewide because I saw an interesting factoid the other day that the largest uh, majority of people live south of I-4 in Florida by, by a huge percentage. DeSantis has never represented anybody south of I-4, so he's going to have a name recognition issue, but he is uh, being very strongly supported by certain factions within the Republican Party. Putnam has raised over $20 million from the business community and from the farming and ranching community. Gwen Graham has raised millions of dollars. So it looks like there are some people who will be in this race all the way through the August primaries. Well... It certainly is an interesting start to what promises to be a fascinating year, Bob. Uh, I want to thank everybody out there who's listened, especially those of you that are still listening and hung, hung in with us till the end. I'll quickly remind you that you can find us on iTunes and Google Play. And until next month, this is Bo and Bob with The Business Lens. Mm-hmm.